There are days, still, I have three books out now, you know, and there are days that I get up and go to work and go, you know, go to, go to work, which means write. <laughs> uh, and it's just, I get in a funk and I think, you know what, I can't do this anymore. But what I learned from that is, that just means I need that day off, basically. Right. You know, I take a break, I don't worry about it, I take a little time, and then the next day, no problem, I'm fired up and ready to go again. And we're live. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Interneath. We're talking today with Ben Meeks, who is an author, uh, all around good guy who I met last year. I think it was we met last year in Vegas. I think that's what it yes. was. Yep. Yeah, we met last year in Vegas. And uh, Ben's got some interesting stories to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> first of all, well, what I'm interested in because I when we were in Vegas, we had this. I don't gamble. And you <laughs> okay. <laughs> you and I forgot the guy we were with. It was a guy, he had a lot of money. And we were at the craps table, right? Mm-hmm. So I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so he's like putting all his money down and I'm like rolling. And then I'm rolling. And then before I know it, these people are starting to gather around a the table. There's these college guys next to me, like, yeah, bro, keep going, bro, because they're betting on my rolls or whatever so i was was like a half hour or whatever i was rolling no idea what i was doing and then finally crapped out and i was like no i'll I'll take my winnings and just go i'm not going to play anymore how how much how much longer did you play that can you tell us how much longer at all i was out of that one i lost money on the the slots earlier and that was it that was it for me so oh yeah i set myself a limit and it was a very small limit and I lost all that money and I was I was happy to do so. <laughs> and then I moved on. So yeah. Ah, responsible adulting. I, I love it. I, I also love the fact that we have the term adulting now. I just right. these are these are things that um these are things I ponder about yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> so tell us about uh what is what is up with your your authorship? You are uh, not I wouldn't say well fairly new because I remember reading your blog and uh, you, I, guys you can always uh, check out Ben's websites and down in the description box below there are links down there um, and this kind of process of you being a part of this group and then you're not thinking you're going to be an author and then becoming an author so how did that whole process happen? How I became an author okay so I always wanted to be an author I was always interested in writing and as far back as you know middle school I tried writing stories. And they never worked. You know, class assignments, no problem, did really well with them, but writing on my own didn't work. And so the takeaway I got from it was that I wasn't a good writer. And if I'm not good at writing, you know, why try? You know what I mean? So I quit. And I quit for a long time up until 2013. Um, And it it always stayed in the back of my head. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that would be really cool, but that's not my thing. Whatever, you know? So Dragon Con comes along. 2013 is the first year I went to it. And I'm flipping through the panels looking for stuff to do, you know? And I see the writer's track. And I thought, hey, a writer's track. I'll go listen to some author's talk. That would be cool. Right. So I pick a panel. I go sit down. And 
you know, about 15 minutes into this panel, I had this epiphany moment, and I don't remember what the panel was, you know, some random thing. Epiphany moment that I could do this, that it, it wasn't that I wasn't a good writer, it's that I didn't know how to write. So from that Dragon Con, I spent the next three years learning everything I could about writing, practicing a little bit, you know what I mean, but mostly just learning. Um, at the end of that three years, I started writing my first book. And by the way, I, I didn't say I'm going to give myself three years and then I'm going to write. I learned until I ran out of material. It just happened to take three years for me to run out of stuff right. to learn. And then I started writing and it took me another two years to write that book and get it published. And then later I had to go back and fix a bunch of stuff I messed up <laughs> and yeah. put it out again. But you know, that's how it goes. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I started with it. It's kind of an unusual path, I think, but it, it kind of worked out. Yeah. It, I mean, every, I, well, I think a lot of paths, I don't know of there to be a conventional path because every time I hear a writer's story, it's always, you know, it's okay. never very rarely is it straight there unless they were at an academic or something. Right. Uh, usually it's, um, you know, some meandering path around doing something else first and then coming back to it. Do you think that, because uh, a lot of people have issues with um, sticking with stuff. This is something I've always been big on is like, um, I, I deal with, I've dealt with a variety of people in my lifetime, as most people at our age have. And I think back on some of the people who, you know, they said they couldn't do something. So they never, they never try to do it. Or if they try to do it, they did it for like five seconds. And the second it was uncomfortable, there's that knee jerk. Uh, I can't do this. I'm, eh, 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 you know, and they never, never, ever go back to it. And I do find sometimes when I tried, I, it was just hard to explain. You can't really explain it, but it's like, you have to keep going because the failures are a part of you learning. That's you, no one ever gets to any goal period. I don't care if you're working out or studying or want to be a writer or want to be a, a musician, whatever, without failing a whole lot of times along the way. Is, were there times that you felt that, mm, uh, no, I, I can't do this? Or or how, if you didn't, how did you, well, obviously you didn't because you're an author now, but how did you kind of power through that uh, knee-jerk uh, reaction? I still feel that way. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. There are days, still, I have three books out now, you know, and there are days that I get up and go to work and go, you know, go to, go to work, which means right. Um <laughs> uh, and it's just, I get in a funk and I think, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Like, this is it. Like, I've, I've wasted my whole, you know, 10 years at this point, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, big pity party, basically. Right. Um, what I've learned from that, because that has happened consistently since I started, you know, 2013 to present, 10 years. It's actually um, not as much anymore. A lot more in the beginning, you know? But what I learned from that is that just means I need that day off, basically. Right. You know, I take a break. I don't worry about it. I take a little time. And then the next day, no problem. I'm fired up and ready to go again. You know? Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's true of a lot of things. I think that's true. like, you know, if you, I ran when I was younger and, you know, you get that first run and it's everything's cramping up and you're like i'm not doing this too painful 
And then for some reason, because we're humans, and I guess that's why we we, I guess that's why we evolved the way that we did. We go, all right, I'm gonna do it again. Right, it's gonna suck and it's gonna hurt, but okay. And I I gotta take a break now. Come back and do it again. So, uh, that's an admirable thing in my in my estimation. Um, that people can, because I mean, because that's how everybody, that's how anything gets done. Is you just have to keep failing forward. I guess. Right. Yeah. I don't, I'd never heard of the term failing forward before a couple of years right. ago, but it's all good. So how's um, everything going now with, now that you've gotten past that point, you're writing your stories and everything, how's it going now with uh, like, where do you want to go as far as the stories that you're telling? Um, Cause when we first start your, your first books are always, you know, you're kind of you have an idea what you want to do you pull it together but as you write more you get kind of more tunnel vision it's like i know right. i need to do this so are there things that you are now kind of focused on with your with your stories that you want to push forward with in the next uh, couple of years that's a great question and honestly i'm you know since i just finished my trilogy well i say just live a little bit now and honestly i've been working on figuring out what story i want to tell next a lot I got I got interrupted by a move that took three months to from start to finish, which was kind of crazy. But the end result was that of that was that I lost all my momentum because I was moving for three months, you know. Um, and that was up until a couple of weeks ago, which mm. is why there's still bare shelves everywhere as I haven't finished unpacking yet. But I in that time I have started eight different stories. They're all good, uh, you know. A lot of promise to them, but you know, I'm still looking. I'm still looking for that thing that is just going to grab me. You know what I mean? Right. So, is there in in the current well the the trilogy that you just wrapped up? Uh, yeah. Was there something that you were thinking about that you could have done in that story that well that won't work here, but maybe it'll work somewhere else. You know, I tend to use ideas when I get them, unless okay. they just don't work. You know what I mean? I'm not a saver. Mm. You know, I kind of, I'm of the impression that in the future, when I need an idea, I'll be able to come up with one. So I don't really say, that's a great idea. I should save that for some future project. You know what I mean? Let me make a note. No, I, I use it right away. If it fits and it works. I just use it. So I don't really have a giant backlog of ideas. I tend to have a giant log of potential characters and settings. Mm. Um, and then that's kind of been my problem is what are they all going to do? You know what I mean? Like what's, what's the story coming up with the plots and that kind of stuff. And um, honestly, I got sidetracked a little bit because this is my, I'm full-time author. You know, this is my only job. And so during this whole move, I was thinking a lot about what I wanted to write next and trying different things. And I think I got myself a little sidetracked with the money aspect, mm. you know, thinking, oh, I could write this because this one is more marketable. You know what I mean? There's a bigger audience. You know, this would do better financially. But then I'm not as passionate about that as I am, you know, other ideas that would be more fulfilling for me. Yeah, so, that's that's a crazy thing that kind of comes up uh, is, and I've always struggled with this, especially in our community, but I think it's for anybody who's a creative, it's kind of this, this line between, okay, this is what I want to do. 
this is what I'm passionate about, but uh, this is more marketable. And this is what we're told to, I mean, we're told this all the time from all of the, the gurus, um, right. do this, do this, do this, do this. And, you know, you see it obviously in, in Hollywood, like I'm sure there's plenty of original screenplays, but we're going to get the third remake of Terminator, you know, come, you know, let's, re, let's, re, let's find everything that existed in the eighties and make a movie out of it. Um, there is that kind of the, that business side to it. Do you think that this, this kind of consumerist pursuit of, you know, just product, 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 more and more and more, uh, does that take away from some of the creativity and is there, because I think there's kind of like got to be an inflection point at some at some point where you're going to have rehashed everything so many times. It's like a, a photocopy of a copy of a copy. Eventually, it's nothing. Right. So at some point, there's got to be an inflection point where originality and creativity is going to have to come back to some of the storytelling. I mean, do you agree with that or do you think? Uh, no, I agree. And I think that. I think that, okay, I write weird stuff for anybody that doesn't know out there. And when I say weird, it's not really weird. It just sounds weird, mm. which is why I tend to have a hard time marketing it online and do a lot of shows in person. Well, give, give us um, an example. Give us an example of otter. Yeah. It's, and if you get into the book, it completely makes sense. It's not strange at all. Like, you know, no problem, but how do you sell that to somebody? You know what I mean? Right. So, um, like one book I'm I'm working on, one of my stories, he's, um, it's set in the same world as my trilogy, uh, a little bit in the future, and he's a goblin who gets turned into a vampire. So he's a vampire goblin. Nice. Right? Our goblin vampire. And it's really cool. Um but again, I, you know, how am I going to sell that? People love vampires, but you had that goblin thing to it. And then they're like, hmm, what, is, what does that look like? You know what I mean? Like, what's a goblin vampire? I think people can get scared sometimes, too, if, if you have something original that you're going to get somebody who's going to just troll. I mean, because, you know, obviously being creatives, being creators, we definitely have to deal with negative feedback. And it's very interesting. I think in our world, it's kind of unique compared to other, like the gaming world or the movie world where, you know, they'll get a million voices, you know, saying that the latest whatever movie was crap is, you can kind of wash over that as like background noise. But for us, we get like specific from an individual to our individual stories, (laughs) to us as individuals that you can't help but feel that it's a personal attack. Um, How do you, how do you kind of deal with that kind of, you know, of course, fair, there's a difference between fair criticism and just being right. a troll. So how do you kind of deal with the fair criticism and how do you do deal with the trolling? All right. I honestly, I have only ever received one negative comment on my work. Well, that's really good. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm no expert in dealing with it, but at the same time, you know, I got the one. Um, and that one was... Look, I don't, I don't mind criticism. I honestly don't at all. Say whatever you want as long as it has merit. You right. know what I mean? Uh, this guy, it was, I had entered it, uh, this is back when just the first book was out, before I redid it and fixed some issues. And this guy read it, and it was, oh, I'm sorry, I entered it in a, um, the uh, self-published fantasy blog off. Okay. 
And uh, so I entered it in that because, you know, whatever, I didn't know any better. And the guy that reviewed my book didn't like my cover. And he his review was two paragraphs, two full paragraphs talking about how horrible my cover was. <laughs> the worst cover in existence, you know. There's never been a cover as bad as this one ever. And then this, like, three-sentence section of, you know, it's a worthy entry, it's a good book, strong characters, all this kind of stuff. And he gave me a one-star review. And it's like, okay, hold on. Hold <laughs> on a second. You know, like, if you don't like the cover, that's one thing, you know. But I don't see how he could praise the inside of the book criticize just the cover and then give me one star. That's not fair. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I wrote him about, he ended up changing it to a two star. Oh, wow. That, that's twice as much as it was, you know, <laughs> but you know, uh, as far as how I respond to that, I uh, actually still, I don't have a card beside me, but I took one of his quotes from the, the three, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right. One of the three sentences of nice stuff he said, and I used that as promotional material. <laughs> so, nice. you know, that's people are going to say what they're going to say. The, the thing is, if there's a um, a separation with people, you know, if you're not looking somebody in the eye there with them in person, humans tend to treat those people that they don't really exist. You know what I mean? Like they're automaton, automaton, whatever it's called. Yep. Just, you know, some random thing out there that doesn't have feelings and it doesn't matter what they say about them. And, you know, so that's where all that stuff comes from. The things that those people say in your review, they would never say to your face. Right. You know? So I don't get too hung up about it. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, like I said, I don't care if people bash my book as long as it's fair. You know, give me the reasons why you didn't like it. And, and you know, that's fine. If they pay for it, they can say whatever they want to about it. You know? Exactly. It, it's, that's cool. That's even trade, you know? Right. Yeah. So uh, you, you have to keep in mind that, uh, again, criticism is another part of, you know, getting to getting better because sometimes it's, valid criticism it can be at times and you can go yeah i can see where yeah i i agree too that that's a issue there or whatever um but the trolls are that's a totally different story i don't know if you've seen they they've had uh, a study recently um because i'm big into psychology and they had a study of the kind of people that heavily engage in negative activity on social media like trolling and you know dragging people doxing people stuff like that or just people who are just on all the time just to put up something negative. And I do feel uh, having seen so many reviews for so many different things, especially in our community uh, and, you know, looking up at, you know, other people's pages and seeing what the reviews said about what they did. There is this element that seems to just be obsessed with it. And they, they kind of did the study that says there's, there's, it's kind of this link to, it's kind of a psychop psychopathy to some extent. Mm -hmm. and there's some, a bit of narcissism in there and there's a bit uh, there's a lot like four negative traits that are tied up with consistently with the behavioral patterns of people like that so i kind of try to keep that in mind if i ever do get uh right. negative reviews that are at least like wildly crazy like i had one like one of my earlier books i was 
a different pen name. It was a horror book. It was a short story. And uh, the person's complaint was that it's too short. And, and, you know, and then kept going on about a bunch of stuff. And she didn't like that this person survived. It had nothing to do with whether or not the story was good is that they just picked things that they didn't like uh, as far as like the way a character's ethnicity was or this person said this or whatever. So it's like, you have to keep in mind some of these people might not be mentally well. So I kind of deal with it that way. You know, I was talking to um, a friend of mine, George Weinstein. Um, he's he's kind of a big deal down here in Georgia. Uh, runs the Atlanta uh, Writers Club. But anyway, I was talking to him. He was telling me about a negative review he got. That was kind of like that, you know. They didn't really review the book. They just kind of trashed it. And I, you know, when he got done, I said, you know, I look forward to being enough of a big shot to have a <laughs> bunch of negative reviews. Right. You know, like, you can look at it positively. You know, if people are out there reviewing your book. That's a great thing. Yep. You know, and a certain percentage of those are going to be bad because I have a very hard time getting reviews. You know, I don't know what it is, but people just don't get out there and review it much. Um so, yeah, if any of you are out there and not reviewing my book because <laughs> it's going to be negative, just go do it. Okay, just, I, I'm good with it. Just get get the book now for your uh, right. ha- hashtag uh, rate Ben's books. There we go. Okay. Get the ha- get the hashtag going. Yeah, that's it. Um, I I've gotten quite a few. I've written. What am I on now? Eight, uh, six novels two anthologies and two short stories actually that's 10 now uh total but um yeah you 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 get some bad stuff and it's again it's part it's part of the growing process do you have any uh because as i was mentioning i have a couple stories you have uh you said you have some uh, things in the hopper that you you want to eventually kind of get to um what so what would actually be the thing that would spark you to say ooh? All right, this character, this has got. I've I've molded this idea enough to now I can go with it. Like I, this character or this story or the combination of them, now it's it's ready to go. Like what 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 sparks that in you? You know, just a really well developed character. I like I said, I get hung up with the plotting sometimes, but that's because I'm a discovery writer and I don't plot in right. general. Um, you know, I come up with a general idea of what I want to happen. Just like key points, you know, these five things have to happen to tell the story I want to tell. And then I have no idea how that character is going to get there. So once a character reaches a certain point in his development or her development, then, um, yeah, I, I, I start writing with it. And that's part of my problem, I think, is that I just have so many, you know, fleshed out characters that I want to write them all. But. You know, I kind of have to stick to one at a time if I'm ever going to finish anyway. So deciding what that next thing is going to be, who I'm going to spend that much time with next has been problematic. I have two books that are a third of the way done. And then, you know, like I said, I think I I I said seven or eight stories that I had started and worked on that are all, you know, different lengths. But uh, two of them are a third of the way through. So I need to pick those and just finish them and put them out, you know? Yeah. So I guess that spark just got, I guess, kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Pantsing or whatever the word is. Um, as it comes along, I guess the eureka moment will come when the eureka moment comes. Right. And 
not a moment before and not a moment after. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I, I don't I don't know if I could uh no, because the stuff I've had in my head has been pretty solid for like 20 years. So it's just now the process of getting it actually created now, which is always fun. So you said you, uh, as you were mentioning that you guys had just moved and it took three months. Yeah. So were you moving to a different country or? Um, <laughs> Sometimes I wish, but no. Were, were you uh, using the, the tortoise uh, moving company? What no. happened with this? I, I, we actually just, we're still in the same county we were in. We moved from the north side of the county to the south side of the county, uh, which is just, you know, it's 25 minutes closer to where we need to be all right. the time. And it's a much larger, nicer house. I didn't have an office in the old house. Mm. You know, I worked off of the couch, um, which was fine, you know, except there's a lot of distractions in the couch. So, and it started in November. Uh, beginning of November, we decided we were going to move. We had an opportunity, got a good deal on the place kind of thing. So we packed up. Um, and we packed, like I packed up all my office stuff. I had, you know, just the bare essentials done. So most November was packing and that kind of stuff. And then December came along and we were expecting to get moved in in December at some point, you know. Right. And that just didn't happen. So we spent most of December like waiting, you know, mm -hmm. with all of our stuff backed up. And then we got to start moving in in January, but uh, with some help from some friends on a couple days, I did the rest of it myself, mm -hmm. you know, with the van and my trailer, loading everything up, unloading everything. And it was just a beast. I don't know if uh, you've ever had any experience with a knitter, but my wife is a knitter, and knitters are pretty much hoarders. Okay, uh, oh no. <laughs> knitters. I can You can go into any knitter's house in the country. I will put money on, and there will basically be, you know, eight metric tons of yarn <laughs> in any given room. That you know, and if you move, hey, you know that's great. Have it. You know, it's stacked. It's over there. It's out of the way. But when you move. You got to take all that stuff with you. So, so much yarn. I've never seen so much yarn in my life. But yeah, no, it's not, it wasn't all yarn. I'm not saying that. She's going to watch this and get mad at me. But, right. uh, you know, <laughs> I, there was just a lot of stuff to move. So it took me about three weeks of moving in January from the official start date to when I officially got everything out of the other house and into this house. And then I'm still getting stuff put away. But, you know, life is slowly returning to normal and kind of getting trying to get back in the groove of things so but it's been rough yeah, yeah. it's a unexpected vacation of sorts that uh, i don't know if you're going to look at it as a vacation or not no definitely not a vacation. <laughs> you know if i i don't really need like as a full-time writer you know i don't really find myself needing vacations or wanting vacations even you know i mean like i said sometimes it gets to me and i need a singular day off right and that's enough you know, this is not that stressful of a, it's not like corporate America stress. Let me put it that way. It's stressful in different ways, but I worked in corporate America for 20 years before I quit and did this. Yep. So, you know, it, yeah. it's not the same thing. You know, yeah. It's, you're, yeah. Cause you're in a different spot. Cause when you're working for somebody else, it's different, but the person you're working for is going through what you're going through now, which is the, you know, I'm just doing the thing. And then that's 
separate, but I love to do this and I would do it all the time. Seems to be a trait too that they, you know, they say that there are particular people who will do that and, you know, who will work all the time, nonstop, take a break and then devote all of their, their energies into perfecting this particular thing. And that seems to be, uh, again, it's another, however you measure success, because it's not just monetary, it's personal success or, you know, whatever you, your goal is achieving your goal, essentially, even if it's just to get your book on a shelf somewhere, or it's just to have one person buy it, you're going to have to work at it to, to get to that point. And I yeah. think that, um, when I see people with that determination, it, it and I see people without that determination, it you know I, I grew up with that mindset all the time, and I thought <laughs> until I was in my thirties, oh everybody does this, everybody will just keep doing, it. and then I then later in life it's like no, just everybody doesn't. It's like, yeah. and then you know there's a question of of how fair is that how fair is that to them? You know that you know they're kind of limited because they just don't have that that gear or that gene that some some may call it insanity to work you know all the time on stuff so it, it's kind of a conundrum i don't i never know when someone who who doesn't have that drive comes to me and, and is upset about something or says that they they're upset that they haven't gotten a, to a certain point or gotten a, to a certain place you can't really just say, well, you need to work harder because that's like the worst thing you could possibly say to anybody in that situation. Yeah, it, it's funny you use insanity to describe it. Um, you reminded me, one of my new favorite quotes I ran into not too long ago, but it summed up my my writing life pretty much perfectly. Um, and I have not, I've not said this before to anyone. So here we go. There you go. Uh, it's Joseph Conrad in Heart of Darkness. And he says, it was written, I must be true to the nightmare of my choice. And it's like, yeah, I, I heard that line and it's like, you know, I chose to do this. And sometimes right. it's a nightmare, but, you know, you just got to do it. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, that really struck a nerve with me. Yeah, sometimes it, we it's like pick your poison. You, yeah. You, you know, you. but you know what you sign on for. And that's kind of... The deal with it so the, the stressful times may be stressful i think they're stressful in the moment and I, but they're always those things i remember back on three years ago first learning how to do you know in, indie publishing and the excitement of even as hard as it was when it was finished it's like and and now i can do i can do more let's go to the next one you know so that that i think that's what comes out of it's again it's like it, it's funny it's in everything it's if you want to get in shape if you want to learn anything new you've got to go through those processes of uncomfortable yeah. moments to do so hopefully not yeah. three three months of moving but you know <laughs> yeah as far as the writing goes you know i've noticed i was just thinking about this the stress compared to the corporate environment when i started out it was more intense in certain ways but it goes away you know, like once I deal with a situation once, I know how to deal with it. Right. And, and it's not a big deal anymore. Whereas in the corporate world, even though I was doing the same thing I did every day, it was never ending. You know what I mean? Right. I go in there for eight hours a day, have this do the same thing every day, 
and it never ends. And that was like, that just builds, you know what I mean? It's almost ominous. But with writing, you know, you have new experiences and those can be stressful, but once you tackle them, you know, you can handle them and that's no big deal. It's, it's a whole different mindset for me. So yeah, yeah it was stressful at, at, to begin with, but now, eh, you know, it's no big deal. I mean, you know, stuff like this, you know, your, your first interview that you do, you're all nervous, you know, like, right. oh my God, I'm going to say something stupid or whatever. But, you know, and I haven't done many of them, but still, like I've done it, I get it. It's no big deal. We're just, we're just hanging out and talking, you know? Yeah. Uh, although I I will say I wasn't nervous for the first interview that I did because I had yeah. I knew exactly what I was going to say and <laughs> I was not going to be deterred from saying something else and it kept steering it back. And I guess that's why I'm, I decided to do an author podcast to kind of uh, draw more stories and more human stories out of, you know, the people that are writing these interesting stories. Cause if our stories, if our stories are interesting, then we've experienced some stuff uh, oh, that yeah. is, is interesting that goes into why those stories are the way that they are. Um, so what, what do you got coming up? Uh, in the near future, I know you're planning, you're going to get the house together. And then is there, as far as where you want to be about 12 months from now at the end of 2023, what, what do you got? In the 2023, I would like to have two, maybe three books out. Now this, I've never gone faster than a book a year up to this point. Um, there's no reason why I can't do it. So that's, that's kind of my goal. My goal is two books. But I have another shorter book that I wrote in a week, like just the the first draft of. Um, and I would like to get that and two other full novels done in 2023. That's kind of my goal, you know. Um, other than that, it's just waiting to see how, if we're going to recover from COVID this year. Right. Like I said, I did a lot of, in-person events and COVID totally screwed my business over big time. Uh, so it's been a rough couple of years in the business life, but it's, it's getting a little better, but it's not back. And so I'm hoping this year it will be back because that would be seriously helpful for me. Yeah. That is the kind of the unfortunate risk about things. Cause I always think there are like these watershed moments like 9-11 was one where think there were things that happened before 9-11 that because of 9-11, we couldn't do for like the interim and then they just never came back. And I right. think COVID is one of those two where we're all kind of going, all right, before COVID, these things happen and let's try to get back to it and hope that it's not one of those things that it's like, yeah, we're not going to do it anymore. I mean, for me, mine, mine locally is that we don't have 24 hour diners around my area anymore. It's oh, like, really? yeah, they don't, they just never open up again. They, they just, we're going to close at 10 and that's it. So that's the way. You need a good Waffle House. I know. I, I wish, I wish there was one around here. <laughs> yeah. But so tell the people where they can find you on the socials and all those good places uh, websites i am everywhere as author ben meeks website facebook instagram um patreon i'm just getting that set up so don't expect much yet um yeah everywhere is author ben meeks you can find my books online at uh amazon mainly just amazon right now because i'm getting my extended distribution fixed so i'm not really wide at the moment 
Gotcha. Cool. Well, thanks for talking to us, Ben, and we will catch up with you again soon. All right. Thanks, buddy.